0: Acts chapter 12, verse 25 to chapter 13, verse 12. We'll read the whole portion and I'll make a couple of comments and then we'll go into the main points for this morning. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, you may remember as we looked in chapter 12, it was in Mark's mother's house that the believers were praying for Peter's release and it is that house where Peter came when he was rescued by the angel, right? So this, that name was introduced there and now here we have this, this instance, this description of Barnabas and Paul returning or coming out of Jerusalem but they've taken John or mark with them chapter 13 now in the church at antioch so they've returned to antioch there were prophets and teachers barnabas simeon called niger lucius of cyrene menaian who had been brought up with herod the tetrarch and saul while they were worshiping the lord and fasting the holy spirit said Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. By the way, that, that last phrase there, you would think that it would say, he believed, for he was amazed at the miracle that he just saw. But it says, he was amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Signs and wonders were to accompany the preaching of the word. The focus was not on the sign and wonder, the focus was always on the word of God. The truth that was declared, the gospel message, the salvation that was there and freely available to people. The sign and wonder was just confirming that this word that is being spoken through this vessel was from God. You know, This is the truth, this is what's amazing, this is what you need to pay attention to, and oh by the way, here's a miracle. Right? That, that was the way they were operating. It was not, here's the miracle, look at me, look at what I did. Oh, and by the way, here's the gospel message. That was not the case. So that's what's happening with the proconsul. He's amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, in verse 9, we have the first instance of Paul. Paul, Saul being referred to as Paul. Right? We saw that you know, in previous, or we saw him being referred to as Saul quite consistently and now we're seeing him being referred to as paul this is his roman name it is not related to his conversion it's not that at his conversion god changed his name that's not the case at all this was his name and in in the non-jewish context When he's dealing with primarily romans remember he's a roman citizen when he's dealing with romans and so on and he's in that non-jewish context he would have been referred to primarily as paul and so now as we start to see this this shift where paul is primarily dealing with non-jewish people he's going to the gentile world he's dealing with them he's dealing with jewish people but he's dealing with a number of non-jewish people the references in the scripture shifts to calling him Paul, referring to him as Paul. So that's what's going on here. And as we see through the rest of the scriptures, then it's always Paul. And so we typically in the church also just refer to him as Paul. We don't say Saul, typically. We just say Paul, and we know who we are referring to. So that's what's going on with this. So from this point forward, you'll see it's always Paul, 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 Paul. All right. So far in the book of Acts, we've been reading about Peter, the other apostles, and various other named and unnamed individuals. From Acts 12.25 onwards, the book of Acts focuses primarily on the ministry of Paul. Peter and the others, they show up, but mainly as they interact with Paul. So we know of Paul's conversion, we've studied that, we've looked at that, we know about his early ministry and him being in Antioch and Barnabas bringing him there and so on, but him being in the, in the wilderness and so on. Then he came to Jerusalem, meets with uh, Peter and with James. And now here in Acts 13, Paul, along with Barnabas, and Mark accompanying them to assist them, he is beginning the first of his three major missionary journeys so this launching of his missionary work of Paul's missionary work provides some useful insights into the missionary call what is the missionary call a missionary is typically a person who is sent who is on assignment very deliberate very intentional who is sent to a nation and ethnos is the word that is used in Greek. It, and that just means to a people group. It's not political nation per se. It's, it's really about a people group. This is a person, missionary, who is sent to a people group. And to a people group who have not heard the gospel message. That's the purpose of the missionary. Going there and trying to share the good news about Jesus. And when we use the word missionary versus the word evangelist, we mean that the missionary who is sent has to typically overcome some barrier of language, of culture, or even just a barrier of physical distance and, and the things that are there. They've got to travel across, they've got to do something. But, and so missionaries may travel from their home country to a distant shore. But they may just minister to people in their own country. Different people group in their own country. And sometimes people from a distant shore may come to the missionary's home country. As immigrants or refugees or you know so on. And all of a sudden there are groups of people, people groups within the, the country that need to be reached. That have never heard the gospel. And so there are missionaries today who are missionaries in the U.S. They're not going to Africa, India... You know, China. They're right here in the U.S., and they're going out to Native American tribal lands, and you know, ministering to tribal folks. They're going into Dearborn, Michigan, and ministering to the Muslim community. The largest Arab, Arabic-speaking community outside of the Middle East is in Dearborn, Michigan. Right? There's a whole bunch of people who will go out to Spanish-speaking community people groups. They'll—I mean—they're going and living there and interacting with those folks for the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And as they're doing this, the missionaries are using every available means to share the gospel message with the people that they have been sent to. And missionaries are making every effort to live out the gospel mandate as an example to the people that they are with. So in doing that, in serving the people, and seeking their spiritual and physical well-being missionaries have become well known all over the world for establishing schools orphanages and hospitals and with, and there are all these stories you know you can go almost anywhere in the world and you find the impact of missionaries having done things like this and then you find the impact of missionaries championing social reform, education, especially for women and, you know, and minorities and so on, and economic development. They push, they, they get engaged, they do these things. They really work to do this, and you will see that. And so you, will, you, know, you can travel almost anywhere around the world and you'll see something-something mission school or you'll see something-something mission hospital. Right? And you'll, you'll see that quite commonly. And, uh, I mean, William Carey was a missionary to India, and he was heavily instrumental in reforming many of the practices that had been there in India, including sati. And you know, for those of you who know this, You know, there had been some very difficult situations in terms of how it's bride burning. And so when the husband died, the bride would be burned in the funeral pyre with the husband's body and so on. And he was one of the people who championed, who really went after that. And through that activity, sati was banned. So so missionaries have done incredible things all over the world as they've gone in these ways and done these things. So they're engaged in sharing the gospel message, they're engaged in living out the gospel mandate with the people and championing these things and doing these works of God. So keeping that high-level definition in mind, I want to consider three attributes of the missionary call. First, missionaries are sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Missionaries are sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. In verse two, we started to read this. We said while, we read, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they, the believers, placed their hands on them and sent them off. The missionaries, we're physically separated from the believers who sent them. right? So the Holy Spirit is giving a call. They pray for them. And then the missionaries are separated from this, this group of believers. And then continues. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus and so on. The Holy Spirit is not just saying, okay, send these two guys, and then disappearing. The Holy Spirit is sending them, the Holy Spirit is with them, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, and throughout the book of Acts, when you read the accounts of these men and women, and you see the way that the church is moving, it is very clear that the Holy Spirit is actively engaged and at work amongst the people, amongst these missionaries, right? Through these missionaries. It's the Acts of Jesus continuing, right? And so the Holy Spirit unlike the believers, is never separated from the missionaries. The missionaries are separated from those that sent them, but the Holy Spirit is never separated from them. And here, you should notice here that although there were only a few who were sent out as missionaries, only those two in particular, Paul and Barnabas, called out that way, all of the believers were engaged in fasting and praying for these missionaries and their mission. It is an important reminder for us that there needs to be men and women, just ordinary Christians, church members, who will pray, who will fast and pray for missionaries. So here at New Life, it is our privilege to support missionaries with funds. It is equally important for us to support them in prayer. And there may be many other missionaries that you know of people who have done everything or abandoned everything, sacrificed a lot to go to places and to do things. And very few people may even know of them. And so you may know, and we may as a church know of folks corporately, we may know them or you may know of them individually, and we may not be supporting them monetarily, but we can definitely be supporting them in prayer. And we continue to pray for these missionaries and these mission works that are going on all over the world. Now, not every missionary who goes out has had as clear a launch as Paul and Barnabas. And let me just make a comment. I'm not going to spend time on this. Not every person who says, I'm a missionary or I have a mission call or I'm going out has actually been launched by God right? Some have been moved because they saw somebody else. Some have said, oh, this is a great adventure. Some have made some other decision. And they've went gone out. Now, does God honor it? Does God use them? Does God work? Absolutely. That's with them. And that's with God and them as such. We don't have to worry about that. But... The point that I want to make to you is that for those that know, yeah, okay, this is where the Lord is leading me, this is where the Lord is calling me, right? Even for those folks, it's not always that you have this, such a clear, you know, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit set them apart. You know, I mean, you don't, you don't get such an explicit launch as such. But every single missionary has or needs to have a sense that the Holy Spirit is calling them to a specific Mission. They need to have that assurance that this is of the Lord, that this is of the Holy Spirit. Because when that assurance is there, that the Holy Spirit is doing this in, in them and through them, that provides the focus. They know what they're going to do. They know why they're there. Some of you may know of Heidi Baker in Mozambique and the stories of all that has happened with that ministry there. And you read, you read her testimony and you read the things that have happened. And I mean, they struggled. They really had a lot of difficulty. But she was very clear. She knew that this is what God had called her and her husband Roland to. And they persevered. And today there's just this thriving ministry and work of God. And when God was saying to them, you'll, you know, you'll have all these churches and this will happen and that will happen, They had like, I don't know, 20 kids or something, maybe a little bit more than that, but living with them and they're trying to take care of them. They have no food, they have no money, they have nobody to support. I mean, it was that kind of situation. So missionaries go out and they face all sorts of hardship, but when their focus is clear, when they know, okay, this is what the Lord has called me to, that undergirds them, that helps them, that causes them to persevere, and that encourages them. So that when things get difficult, and they get very difficult, they can continue in the path that the Lord has called them to. But the other reason why it's important for a missionary to have a sense of the call of the Holy Spirit and the call of God on their life is so that they will leave the results to God. Because it is very possible when you go in your own strength to say, I'm going to go do this. And then that doesn't happen, and you get disappointed. Or, I'm going to see this, you know, I'm going to be active. And the question is, have you gone according to your call? Or have you gone according to the Holy Spirit's call? Because if you're going according to the Holy Spirit's call, you leave the results to the Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, Paul and Barnabas were leaders of the church. I mean, you know, the chapter opens with them saying, with the, with the, with the recording, they, they were prophets and teachers, and they're doing all this stuff. And they leave all of that. And they go on these hard journeys. You know, I mean, for what? I mean, you know, okay, pro-council here, and a, and a believer there, and a jailer there. And, a, and it seems like it's just so little in that sense, right? But it was of the Holy Spirit. And we know today, 2,000 years later, what impact those things had, those missionary journeys had, what impact those lives, what lives were impacted because of what these men did. So we don't hesitate to say, oh, you know, when, when you're moving according to the Lord's will, when you're moving according to the Lord's command, he will take care of the results. And that becomes a great comfort for us. We don't have to worry. You know, you don't have to sit there and say, oh, I've been toiling away for, you know, whatever, uh, nothing's happened." No, you just say, all right, Lord, the results are in your hands. You call me, you do it. You build a church. You do what's necessary. And so that becomes a great comfort. But you see, the thing is, many, 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 many missionaries have given their lives in the mission field, have died. And some, we, we don't even know of many of them. Right? But the Lord knows. And if they weren't sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, if they didn't have an assurance that they were doing something in the mission field because of God's will and God's purpose for them, boy, their debts were just a waste. It was futile. But the confidence that they've had, the assurance that they've had that they have been sent on their way by the Holy Spirit has allowed them to not just live and to give, but to die with no issue. And to say, oh, for me to live is Christ, but to die, oh, it's gain. And so, praise God that missionaries have been sent by the Holy Spirit. But it brings us to the second point. Missionaries are willing to obey the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul, Barnabas, and Mark are willing to endure hard travel and all sorts of discomforts. To reach the people all the while while they're on their way traveling somewhere or when they reach their destination they're interacting with all kinds of people they proclaim the word of god to jews and gentiles to ordinary citizens and city leaders to those who are interested in hearing what they have to say and those who are opposed to their message but in all their activities in what they're doing in how they're doing it it is very clear that they are led by the holy Spirit, that they are listening to the Holy Spirit, that they are obedient to the Holy Spirit. You read it when Paul interacts with Elemus, he says, It says, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time. Not even able to see the light of the sun. You better have heard from God. Before you confront a sorcerer. And tell him that he's going to be blinded. You better be sure that the Holy Spirit is with you. When you open your mouth and say. You are full of evil. You better know. That that is what God wants you to say. So these were men who obeyed, who stayed listening to the Holy Spirit they're not presumptuous, they're not acting in their own strength, they're not doing something that they think, they're not looking at, at the people around them the ones they're interacting with and coming up with their own discernment, they're saying Holy Spirit, you tell me what to do you tell me what to say, and that's what I will do and then they can boldly say you're going to be blind
1: you're going to be blind I'm sure enough Elimus was blinded. Paul,
0: Paul here is relying, there's, there's an intimacy of relationship between Paul and the Holy Spirit that allows Paul to discern people and situations accurately. It allows him to declare God's will boldly, and it demonstrates, and as he's moving and obeying, it demonstrates the miraculous power of God. And this should remind you of Moses, or Joseph, or Daniel, or Elijah, or John the Baptist, or the disciples, the early church that we've already started to read about, and Jesus himself. They all walked with God in the way. They obeyed God in every way. Salvations and miracles followed. The important thing for them was, they would be obedient, stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So throughout the Gospels in the book of Acts, we see that God works amazing miracles through the hands of his servants and gives them as signs and wonders to the people. Right? So if that makes you think, oh, missionaries? Oh, okay. They must be extraordinary miracle workers. Let me remind you that missionaries are ordinary Christians. From the biblical accounts, all the things that we read in the Bible, and all the way coming today to our present day, and reading these just awe-inspiring stories of missionaries and what they've done. When you study the lives of these missionaries, and when you listen to their testimonies, what they're saying directly, and you know in March when we have missionaries here and they talk about what they're doing, And you listen to them and you say,
1: they're very ordinary people. They're just very ordinary
0: Christians. There was not much to distinguish them before they were sent. And they will tell you that it's not because of themselves that things happened after they were sent. It's just the work of the Lord. They simply made extraordinary claims and believed God to back them up. They obeyed God even... When God was asking them to do, even, what, even when what God was asking them to do was extraordinary. And they were extraordinarily humble about themselves.
1: They gave all the glory to God. They were just ordinary Christians. The way that we are
0: ordinary Christians. So as you've been listening to me this morning, you may have been reminded of various missionaries. A number of them are coming to your mind. And you may be thinking of some very specific missionary stories. I was looking up some missionary stories. I was thinking, should I share some of these? And I thought, where do I start? Where do I end? Because if I give you one story, I could give you ten. If I give you ten, I could give you twenty. I mean, the stories are just incredible. Find them, look them up, get these books, read the biographies and the autobiographies of these missionaries. It's just fascinating, wonderful stuff, very encouraging. But you know, you may have listened to all that or read that or seen that and watched the YouTube video and everything else and you said, oh, this is great. I'm glad that there's someone else out there willing to be a missionary.
1: Because this is not for me. But the call of the Holy Spirit to
0: tell someone about Jesus is not restricted to a few extraordinary missionaries.
1: You see, when Jesus gave the
0: great commission, when he called us to be missionaries, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, he was telling every one of us to go into all the world That doesn't mean that you have to travel to Africa. It just means going to your sphere of influence, dealing with the people that you're interacting with. And he said, you go and you make disciples. And you
1: baptize. And you teach. And you live out the missionary
0: call. It is for each one of us ordinary Christians to share the gospel message with someone who does not know it. It is for us
1: ordinary Christians to meet with somebody for a tea, a neighbor,
0: and to pray with them, to bless them, to let them experience the cleansing and the power of God, redemptive power of God, to forgive,
1: that they may forgive. It is for us ordinary
0: Christians to do all sorts of things that just in the course of that activity becomes an opportunity to tell somebody else about how Jesus moves, lives, and has his way. I knew where Lee was going this morning when she started on that story. And I thought, oh, that's good. But, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity to say, you know, just as I, as a piano teacher, am telling my piano students to do this, God, our Father, is telling us to do this, and we can trust him. That's an opportunity. It is an opportunity for an ordinary Christian to just simply share the good news about Jesus. Praise God. Praise God that as we do that, as we come to him, as we say, Lord God, I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I, I, I realize that you've got a call
1: on my life. And then say, Lord, who
0: is it that I need to reach out to? Maybe somebody in your family. Maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe in your workplace. Maybe in some other sphere of influence. And you may not have a language barrier. You may not have a cultural barrier. You may not have some physical barrier. There isn't a mountain range between you and that person that you have to cross. You know, there, but, but there could be some other reason. There could be some other barrier for why it's not easy for you to share the gospel with that person. And so we look at it and we say, ah, oh, too tough. I don't think I can do this. I don't think that they will receive it. I don't think that they believe this. You know, and I've seen the things, you know, I saw what political party banner they had in their front yard, and I don't think they'll listen to me. I mean, you can have all sorts of barriers, and many of these things are in our own minds. But when we say, Lord God, you use me. You send me.
1: You do what you want in me. We have to be sensitive
0: and obedient to the call and leading of the Holy Spirit. Which means that when we come to the Lord Jesus and we respond, we're really saying, Lord, we respond by being willing, by being willing to respond to your missionary call. This is not just for somebody else. Yes, there is somebody else who has been called to go a long distance. Yes, there were Paul and Barnabas who were set apart for a very specific purpose. Yes, there are those that have sacrificed much. Yes, there are some who have given their lives for this. And maybe that's not what you're calling me to. But you're still calling me to be on mission. To live with a missional focus daily. To say to people, the mission that I have on this earth... Is to tell people about Jesus. Is to let them know that the love of Jesus can transform their life. It's to declare the good news. An evangel or an evangelism. The idea is just to. It is the herald. It is the person who declares the good news. Missionaries, evangelists. There's a significant overlap there, as I was mentioning right at the beginning. But let's not. Shirk from this responsibility, and I'm not saying to you to do anything foolhardy. I'm not saying you know, just do whatever comes to your mind. You know, get up and start shouting. You know. you know, be led by the Lord. Pay attention to Him. Be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And it may be a very small thing. It may be a one-on-one interaction. It may be something very minor. But as you're obedient to the Lord. The Lord will
1: bring the fruit from it. And so,
0: we apply. We apply. We receive this word. We understand that there's a missionary call. We know that God is calling us. We we pay attention to it. But we want to apply by praying for and supporting missionaries. There are those that are going out. There are those that are ministering. There are those that are enduring hardships. And so we support them. And we say, Lord God, we want to be a part of that. We want to be engaged in that. And there are people all over the world. The question for us is not, you know, who can we support? It's who can we not support? Because there are so many. There are so many that are are around and doing things. And you have to make a selective decision and then say, okay, we're going to support these five, these six, these ten. And we're not supporting these 10, these 20, these 100, these thousands. Right? And that'll happen. But in the ways that we can, in the, in the prompting of the Lord, in the leading of the Lord, let us pray for and support missionaries. Now for us here, as I mentioned, uh, March will focus on missions, we'll do different things. But on March 7th, the first Sunday in March, we're going to take up a special offering to support our missionaries. And that Sunday, it will be, you know, just to make it easier, everything that's in the plate, we'll use that as a missions offering. So come prepared. If you have been giving and doing things regularly, by all means, keep doing that. This is in addition to your regular tithes and offerings. So if on that Sunday you want to, you want to put two checks, you could you could do that separately and so on. But I would encourage you on that Sunday, just come prepared to give a missions offering. And then you can catch up the next week with your regular tithes and offerings and everything else. That'll make it easier to administer. But, you know, that Sunday morning, we want to take what is offered and use that to support missionaries. And missionaries have needs all the time. All the time. There's never a time where you say, oh, nobody wants this money. No, no. (laughs) Always, always, there's somebody who's in need. There's some project, something going on. So we want to do that. We want to take those funds, we want to support, we want to reach out, and we want to be used by the Lord. If you're giving online, you can actually designate the amount as church missions, not just tithe offering. And you can do that and let us see that it's coming in for that reason. But I'm announcing this so that you can just be prepared, that you can be aware, that you can be thinking about it, praying about it, and saying, Lord, what do I need to do? How do I need to apply? What should I be led? of you to do,
1: in addition to your giving. Most importantly, continue to pray. Pray that the word of the Lord will spread throughout the
0: world. It seems like, you know, you may think, well, the world is sort of saturated. The word of God must have gone out to everybody. Mm, Not really. I mean, there are still people groups who have never heard the word of the Lord, but there are people groups who've heard something that really isn't the Word of the Lord. Maybe they think they know about Jesus. Maybe they think they know what Christianity is. But we have to pray that the Word of the Lord, preached with power and authority, in truth, in fullness, accompanied with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, through vessels that are yielded and fully submitted to the Lord Jesus, will impact nations, people groups, that
1: whole people groups will say, I turn to the Lord. I turn to the Lord.
0: So we want to pray for that. We want to see that happen. The Bible speaks about the Lord delaying his coming until his word is
1: proclaimed throughout the world. Well, let's proclaim the word of the Lord throughout the world. starting with somebody who is right beside you. Maybe a family member. Maybe somebody that you know. They need to hear the word of the Lord. And
0: you just start to pray and say, Lord God, you give me opportunity. You lead me. You guide me. You direct my steps. You help me to reach out to this person.
1: Help me, Lord. Help me. As we do that, I believe that the Lord God will help us to fulfill this missionary call.
0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, you answer prayer and you guide and direct our steps. And, Lord, as you led the missionaries that we read about in the book of Acts, as you led them, Lord, to go and to truly impact the world, I pray, Father,
1: that you will cause us to go and impact our
0: world. Lord God, I thank you that we don't have to worry about results. We don't have to think of numbers. We don't have to compare ourselves to anybody. We don't have to, Lord, look at anything else. We just have to look to you. We just have to listen to you. We just have to be led by you. And when we do that,
1: I thank you, Lord. Salvation comes. Increase
0: takes place. Oh Lord God. Bondages are broken. Chains are broken. And and people are set free. We thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you Lord. Father. For each one of us. And for those that may receive a very specific call. We pray that missionaries. Will rise up. We pray that there will be many
1: who will, Lord, stand up to declare to this world the good news about Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.